Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hello, I'm Sabrina, and I'm here with Vicki and Marilyn, and we're going to talk about all things homeschool high school, because that's what we do. So um, we have been hearing from some of you who enjoy the podcast, and that makes us really happy. It does. We love positive reinforcement. Well, we do, but... I mean, let's be honest, we, we sit in a room with each other and talk into a microphone and we're not entirely sure there's anyone out there. Kind of like homeschool moms, we sit in a room. <laughs> Any moms. We have, have parent-teacher conferences with ourselves. Yeah. So so then when we see comments pop up places, we go, oh, oh my goodness, there are seven sisters out there. So yeah, so what did you found something on our Facebook? Page yeah, that- so Carrie wrote to us on the Homeschool High School podcast Facebook page, and she said um, she was listening to the the career exploration one about teens who don't have a clue. So that's episode fifty one, and she said I finally got a chance to listen to this one today while I was on a quick walk. The oldest was in Latin at co-op. Your intro said something about how you enjoyed these years even more than the others, and I teared up. So inspiring and encouraging. Thank you. So thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah. And over on iTunes, where people can also leave comments if they would like to, Kelly said, as a retired teacher turned homeschool mom, I find it difficult to balance the monotony of school requirements with the pleasure of home education. This podcast has helped me tremendously to find a balance between the two with my high schoolers. I listen to every episode. Oh, thank Thanks, you, Kelly. Kelly. Seems to be people whose names start with the letter K <laughs> who are leaving comments. <laughs> uh, sorry, which leads us right into grammar and spelling, which Indeed. is what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, grammar and spelling. It's It's got to get some attention because... At least what we're seeing is that high schoolers do not automatically demonstrate mastery of grammar and good spelling skills and yeah. Yeah, the world has changed since we were all in high school. When I was in high school, there were dinosaurs that chased us all the way to school and called out grammar rules while they were chasing. <laughs> yes. So our kids don't have that mm. access today. There's no more dinosaurs. Wait, wasn't there a grammarsaurus? game or CD-ROM or something when our kids when our kids were little so I'm just picturing the dinosaur that runs after you (laughs) shouting grammar rules be the grammarsaurus um yeah okay so Marilyn you've taught a lot of writing in our local community the last several years and you you see perhaps less mastery of the rules of grammar than you would like We see less mastery of the rules of grammar, and even those students who are able to tell you the rules aren't applying it in their writing. So So that's kind of the point. Really understanding, even if they've memorized something. Exactly. Hmm. So you see more, like we see a lot of sentence fragments. We even see some text words show up in the middle of uh, formal writing like the letter r followed by the letter u that's supposed exactly. to be exactly are you sure yeah that really or an lol in the middle of a, oh. an essay so so why should kids be stressed about writing lol or are you in the middle of an essay like isn't this that is how you write the world is now right yeah and like, a lot of people would accept it however i did find this week when i was proctoring um Terranova standardized testing, 
every grade that I did the sample for had a sentence fragment that was incorrect and needed to be fixed. Uh, so uh, on someone purpose, as, on as purpose, an example. Yes, okay. in the yeah. samples so the they had to up. find the error and that was one of them. Okay, so they needed to be able them. to recognize a sentence fragment and to know in order how to, to fix, fix it. that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, and, and so doing well on standardized tests is one reason one needs to have grammar. Well, and there, there's like a whole life reason for it. Like, doesn't our dear seventh sister Allison, doesn't she have something about sentence fragments? Allison keeps telling the students that the sentences that make you feel like you're standing at the edge of a cliff and about to fall off because it didn't finish the thought <laughs> is one way to recognize a sentence fragment. When so, someone writes, although I'm hungry... You're, you're, you're waiting to see what is going to happen. Yes, it has a subject and a predicate, but it still leaves you hanging. So so when our seven sister Allison teaches the, the homeschool kids uh, writing, they have to make sure they don't traumatize her because here's poor exactly. Allison standing right. on the edge of a cliff and waiting. she's about to fall over. And no one will tell her what the rest of the sentence is. Although you're hungry, what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, there has been a culture shift. And when we were in school, there were not actually Grammosaurus dinosaurs that chased me because I'm so much younger than Vicky. But it, we did use like an actual grammar book like all the time, starting early. So that that's part of it. I think, um, I think maybe we don't start teaching grammar as early now as we did once upon a time. But then up through eighth grade, I can remember for us it was the Werner's English and grammar, English Grammar and Composition book, and it was this squatty right. little square, thick book. Look, look ugly book. Yep. yep. Lots of sentence diagrams in there, and I actually really liked diagramming sentences. Oh, and oh, Allison, no, you Allison loves to diagram sentences. I do. Isn't that messed up? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I like and it's it. unusual <laughs> because I would picture Sabrina in the creative arena, I know. but we're finding. Many of our STEM-oriented students find diagramming to really help them. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to them. There are rules. You the rules and a formula that exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that, so and they need some rules and to be able to visualize analyzing How a sentence, fit into the sentence so that they can write academically. And that's that's where we're going. Is grammar doesn't matter on a text. But grammar matters in academic writing and in professional writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the truth is it drives me crazy when I read people's Facebook posts and they're atrociously written. But it's your Facebook feed. You can write it however you want. And but if you're submitting a cover letter to a potential employer with your resume, it, that's... That's a problem. Right. Or submitting a resume, like one of my, as a coach, helping people with their career exploration stuff and doing resumes. So often I'll see their resume and there's a period at the end of one sentence and not a period at the end of another sentence, just sprinkled all the way through the resume. And that, what that does is brand a person as not quite intelligent, uh -huh. so not quite competent. And certainly not careful when it yes. comes to proofreading and making things consistent. Okay, so let's run down a list of some of the most common grammar problems that we're seeing in high schoolers. And it's wonderful if you still have younger kids and you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, oh, you know what, I'm going to add some grammar in here in the elementary middle school years. That's great. But if you're listening and you have an 11th grader and that's your youngest kid, 
that's okay too. So we're going to highlight some of the most common problems we're seeing, and then we're going to discuss some resources for getting your grammar into shape before you graduate. Indeed. So um, apostrophes. Oh dear, apostrophes. Apostrophes on billboards are just in used the wrong place. In, in a simple plural of a word, just by making from going from singular to plural, they think they're supposed to put an apostrophe s. So, so in a parking lot, there are lots of cars. Yes. C A R apostrophe s. It's bad. It's really common. It is really bad, and it's we we've seen them. Everywhere. I have a friend whose daughter was a English major in college, and she would hide her face and say, I can't look at that billboard, because it had the price of oranges, as in apostrophe S, and the oranges didn't own anything. So, <laughs> so apostrophes mean an ownership or a contraction. Yes. So, have you seen the YouTube of the the apostrophe vi vigilante in yes. England at ninety six around <laughs> He's trying to painting out signs? Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, it's funny. Years ago, somebody gave us um, a little brass plate to put on our front door, and our last name is Justison, and it says the Justisons, but it's Justison apostrophe s, and. I, I just laugh because I'm like, I mean, I respect my husband, but I do not refer to him as the Justison. That sounds like very medieval something. I don't know. He is, you know, the, like, who is the Justison that this house belongs to? So the Justison's uh, house? Yeah, that would work. And, and which, uh, yeah, it's just, it's very confusing. So, yeah. So, um. So apostrophes in the wrong place is not is too problem. cool. Yeah. And you know what? I've noticed one problem that contributes to this is autocorrect on smartphones. Because if there's anything that begins with a capital letter, even if you accidentally hit your shift button, which I do all the time, that's why if you get a text from me, it has random capitalized words in it. <laughs> um, but if you've done that and you put an S on the end of the word, it autocorrects to apostrophe S. Well, it so it's a given name. Okay. It's trying to guess what you're doing. Yeah. But you see it so often then when autocorrect has done it to you that it becomes normal. So it feels like it's brain autocorrect is brainwashing you into I putting so. apostrophes in the wrong place. Oh, that's a creepy idea that our autocorrect is brainwashing us. It could try Dang. to destroy the culture <laughs> from the grammar up. It's the robots are taking over the world. <laughs> and another confusion for our students is they know if they know that Sam's feet means it belongs to Sam. Then they get to hers, which means right. it belongs to a female. Uh -huh. they want to put an apostrophe in there. And it's not necessary in that word. So you end up with apostrophes where they don't belong. Mm -hmm. yeah, and the only way to, like, that doesn't make sense. So the only way to survive doesn't make sense. <laughs> is to do enough grammar workbooks, that hands-on grammar, memorizing the rules and all the gazillion exceptions to the rules so that you can write intelligently for academics and professional settings. Okay. And even if you're sending me a text. Yes, because so. Mar <laughs> Marilyn will, she will cringe if <laughs> she gets a text. Okay, so let's see. Apostrophes are definitely a problem using text words like R and U. Um, possessives, fragments, subject verb agreement. That's one that comes up a lot, that we have a singular subject and they 
switch to a plural for the verb. And Some it, of those are, I have to, to go to Grammarly all the time and check. I, and I know that as Seven Sisters editors, I drive them crazy because there's some things that don't make sense. Like right. someone has, mm-hmm. you know, and some group words take a plural and some, and some take don't. a singular. However, one of the things that has become acceptable, so the rule has changed from when I was in school, is um, you can use there, mm-hmm. even if it's a singular, but you don't know whether it's his or her, so you don't always have to say his or her anymore. So it makes me cringe, but it is now considered acceptable. So that so there can every be student, singular. Yeah, every student has their own way there. of doing homeschool high school. Instead of every student has his or her own way of doing homeschool high school. You can say every student has their way. But every student is actually singular. It should be his or her. According oh no, to my brain's people. going to melt. <laughs> it has become acceptable in our culture now to do that. Like somebody who writes the rules, whoever those people are yeah, that write are the rules, people? have changed it. Yeah, it, that's yeah. what I want to know. Who are they? Why did they change the rules? Like the Oxford I know who they are. Who's they? It's it's the people whose picture is in a frame that you buy at the store. <laughs> They're the people who make the rules. The ones at Walmart. Yes. yes. You take you bring the picture frame home and you say, Who are these people? And that's it. <laughs> They're the people who are the ones who the those nebulous people in the family circus co- cartoon. Yes. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, um, so we've hit on some of the high points. Obviously, spelling is an ongoing problem. It's kind of its own separate issue. Um, and let's face it, the, the world is not fair. Some people just spell correctly, very naturally. They read books and they remember how words are spelled and they very rarely make a mistake. And other people work really, really, really hard at learning to spell correctly and struggle with it the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's just like people like me who, math is just not easy for me. It's never mm-hmm. going to be. And it's not fair that for some people it comes easily, but you know. And it will vary even within a family. I have yes. two, I, I was a natural speller. It was not difficult for me. I have two kids who were good spellers and it was easy for them. I have another student who aced every single spelling test because he could memorize and still spelled it wrong when he was when he was writing. Writing mm-hmm. and fortunately for him he was old enough that he used to use I am and he used to spell check it and he used those squiggly lines to learn oh. because to him using it in something that mattered to him where his peers were going to see it was more of a motivator than passing a spelling test or what you're so going to hand to there's me. there's not one right way to learn exactly. how to spell. Very I good. quit doing spelling with him because if you can get 100 on your test on Friday and spell it wrong on Monday, something's, something's not, not working. Not working. Right. So there's not one right way to learn grammar effectively. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of resources out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's run through some resources because I'm sure that there are people who are listening saying, yeah, I'm sure this is us. I, I'm sure that my teenager's grammar is not up to snuff. So, and we're not affiliates with no, any we're of we're not. We're just no, going to talk about stuff that we've used and mm-hmm. seen in our community that mm-hmm. seems to work well for some families. Mm-hmm. So Editor-in-Chief, that's what my family used. 
the paper version, like Marilyn was telling us ahead of time, online versions, the kids can kind of just click through and knock out the... Till they find the yeah. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But when they do a handwritten, they have to search for mistakes and correct them. But then a, you actually have to correct it for them or let them see the correct yeah, version. Because be, otherwise you're just... You know, reinforcing to, like, the grade, bad stuff, yeah. As, as in, yeah, Bummer. the homeschooling's oh, well. hard. Yeah, once in a while, you just got another one like that is it. language mechanic, which I think is critical thinking press, if I remember right, okay. where they search for mistakes and correct them. Okay, all right. So, what about kids who are not really even ready for the search for mistakes and correct them thing yet, but they're more about I need to learn what the rules are, and maybe maybe STEM kids in particular, kids who are very math and science minded and like for there to be formulas for the universe. I, from parents who have STEM oriented kids and most of those parents are STEM oriented to begin with, um, Winston grammars, one that they've used where you memorize all the prepositions and then work around that. And then analytical grammar where you're really just diagramming. Yeah. Abeka has very simple, yeah, you diagram, you learn the rules kind of workbooks and the super old school Werner's handbook of English grammar and composition still exists it's still it may be ugly but right. it and, has everything in there yeah. for kids who do know most of the rules but just need constant reinforcement many of our students use daily grams just to keep it fresh just a little little bit little of bit of time work. you yeah. have to have already learned that mm -hmm. some of the rules or you could use it to reinforce the the particulars that your student is a little shaky in. There's also all kinds of online quizzes. Um, some are ones you do online and then you get immediate feedback. This was right, this was wrong. Uh, not like the editor-in-chief where you just click to find what's wrong, but you have to choose one. Um, and all kinds of sheets if you know a particular area that your student is struggling in, that you can find sheets that just hit that. And if you have a kid who has a, a general mastery of grammar, but there are a couple of things that they just consistently mix up, because um, that's me. I, mm -hmm. For the most part, I do pretty well, but there are certain ones, oh, affect and effect, just get me messed up it's every time. It's not fair, time. those two words. Exactly. And so when there's something like that, go to something like Grammar Girl or, or whatever. Find yeah. a cute, fun way to sort of capture what the rule is. And then, uh, for me, I write it in colorful marker on an index card and stick it someplace where I'm likely to be doing writing. But something that's going to matter for that kid to help them capture. Because all of us have a mistake that we regularly make, even once we get a basic mastery. And it's it's not an, grammar's not an all or nothing deal, you know. So for a kid who, who is um, struggling with it, you, you got to encourage them to just keep taking a bite out of that elephant you know you're just going to keep improving and improving you're never going to always write everything perfectly and that's okay and back to what we talked about when we had our editing podcast if you're doing a resume or something that's really important your college application mm -hmm. essays have someone who's good at grammar read it before you send it in I mean that's not cheating that's just smart. Just, wise, just yeah. smart. Yep. Because yeah. you can have things that you miss. I know I have a couple of spelling words that I find difficult. I usually try to find another word that means the same thing. Uh, I do that too. <laughs> totally. But that's just a life skill. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And if you don't have time to find somebody else to look at something, at least read it out loud. 
Yeah. You will often hear mistakes if you read it out loud that you will not notice when you just look at it. And finally, the word, the age of word processing means that we have red and green squiggles. And we, we didn't have red and green squiggles when we were writing on paper with pencils when we were uh-huh. growing up. But it's amazing to me how many teens just ignore the red and green squiggles on their word processor. Yeah. And it's like, it's telling you it thinks there's something wrong. It's not always right. Occasionally, uh-huh. it's flagging something that is correct. Right. But the vast majority of the time, it's flagging something that needs to be flagged. Yeah, why is it squiggling me and and so you read it out loud and you can usually figure that out it is more likely to miss a squiggle that it should have caught like a misspelled word because it really is a word and you use the wrong word there than a squiggle being there that you know shouldn't be also, having the kids read lots of good literature, you know, like things that were written Older before, <laughs> yeah, when when using grammar properly was part of the the culture. Okay, so if you can start early, if you can't, start where you are and improve. Try to get some kind of a feel for what type of writer your teen is. Is this someone for whom it comes? fairly naturally and they just need to sharpen up some areas or is this someone who really needs a formula and a basic foundation laid there are lots of um, varied types of resources out there so don't assume that there is one way to learn grammar is not one right way and so try different things until you find one that fits well for your family and just keep coming back to this with your teen this is not just a nitpicky academic thing this is a life skill. This is about being able to put yourself out there. Like like Vicki said, you, you brand yourself with your writing. Right. And you will be known by the way that you use words. And it really is important. So work on it and uh, enjoy it if you can. It's not enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> but it's important. <laughs> it is. It is. So there's satisfaction in mastering it, even if it was not fun along the way. Uh, So we hope that that is helpful for those of you who are struggling with grammar in any place in the writing in your homeschool high school. And we will dig into more homeschool high school topics on future episodes. So join us again for the Homeschool High School Podcast from 7sistershomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.